we're only going to get better if we're really, truly willing to change. And sometimes the change means we have to stop doing something. Sometimes the change means we need to start doing something. And sometimes the change is not as much a change as we do something really well. Let's continue to capitalize on that. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. I'm your host. And you know what? It gives me so much pleasure to interview amazing individuals on the show. It also is very, very rewarding knowing that the show is making a difference for you. So thank you very much for all of your support. Now, on today's call, I'm with the wonderful Alexis Gladstone. Welcome to the show, Alexis. Thank you for having me, Rick. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, no, look, it's my pleasure to have you here. Now, um, Alexis and I, we're going to be talking about the power of women in business and sales. We're going to take a deep dive look at that. Um, Now, Alexis is a speaker, trainer, consultant, coach, leadership, sales and cultural change expert. And we are going to have a very long, deep and meaningful conversation about this very topic. But before we do any of that, Alexis, I also love to learn a little bit more about my guests and it's your turn to share with us a little bit about yourself. Let's start by where you're located. I am in Chicago, Illinois, which just had a foot of snow Oh wow! Um, over the weekend. So <laughs> we're, we're still digging out a little bit, but pretty, pretty, pretty ba- much back to normal. It seems to me that the only uh, discernible landmark that you would have there is snow. Oh, come on. Have you ever been to Chicago? <laughs> no, I've not been there. <laughs> uh, okay, you'll have to come visit because it's great. Do it in the summer, though. Fantastic. You know, the, the U.S. summer, not the Australian summer. Oh, of course, it's all, it's all about phase, <laughs> isn't it? We're upside down. It is, here. it is. <laughs> now, um, I also like to, to ask, uh, when you're not working, which I don't know that there's much time not to nowadays, do, do you have any hobbies or things you like to do? Well, I've always, and it's really sad with the pandemic, I've always been really into theater and dance and going to those types of things because I was a dancer growing up. I was in musical theater in high school. So it's been a little hard not to have that in the last year. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's been some online things going on. So I try and do some of those. Yeah, look, I've, I've spoken to a number of, of people and, they've, and they're talking uh, a lot about Netflix. I'm not a Netflix person myself, but I guess uh, if you do do that, do you have a favorite movie or a series that you that you follow? You know, I, I, I'm really into the live stuff more than all the Netflix. I know everybody's watching all the yep. different things that are streaming on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime. And I don't know if there's other things that you all get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. My attention span for that's a little bit low, <laughs> to be oh, truthful. Oh, goodness so. me, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> and having to pay for it too, goodness me. <laughs> I, I, I do have it, I just don't tend to tend to watch it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Time to cancel. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's one of those uh, pandemic things that maybe cross off the list. Yeah, look, um, I, given that you like the live stuff, do you have a, a, a favorite actor? Oh, gosh. Screenplay person? You know, one of my favorite um, actors who'd been, had been scre- who was screen and theater was Brian Dennehy. Ah, yes. 
um, who recently, I think, what passed in the last year, year Mm -hmm. and a half or so. Um, He was, I just always loved the characters that he played. They were always, you know, here you had this, this looming figure, but all, but he could play these empathetic, you know, men yeah. who, which you didn't always see on screen and stuff so mm-hmm. he was always one of my absolute favorites now thank you for sharing um alexis now we're going to move into the most important part of this call now i know you love cats and i want to know oh that's the important that's the important part okay. oh yeah right now it is what day do you put aside for cat a day what day do I put aside for it? Well, that's Saturday here in the States anyway. Fair enough. Oh, did you, I, I actually saw you saw my Twitter, huh? Yes, I did. I absolutely <laughs> go through everything. I do my research. I need to know everything I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I have, I've been keeping up. I've been keeping much more better on my LinkedIn than I have my Twitter. So. <laughs> hey, do you have a pet that you remember the most? Well, uh, there's... Uh, I always grew up with, we always had at least one dog and ever there's a little cat sometimes thrown in there. <laughs> um, I've had, I'm on my fourth cat as an adult, so who I, I rescued her about three years ago. So it's been nice having her in the pandemic. We, uh, we too um, have a rescue pet and he has turned out to be the most amazing pet. Do you, did you find any unique challenges associated with your rescue pet? Uh, yes, she's actually been a challenge compared to the other three cats yeah. I've had in my life. Yeah. She's, yes, she's been a little bit of a handful. <laughs> um, I think I think she was a little younger than the rescue thought she was, so she was still very much a kitten. Yeah, yeah. So, which I'm not used to. I usually rescue five years or so is usually my favorite age yep. when it comes to cats because they're fully grown so what about you what kind of a what, what was your re- what's oh, your rescue i'm a, a dog lover we rescued a, a rottweiler of all dogs mm. and he has been an absolute handful i have to be truthful <laughs> uh, we think that he was uh, poorly treated and he's come oh. he's come around he's taken some time he would get very anxious he seems to be you know very skittish but once you get to know him and you understand his traits he uh he's beautiful but uh <laughs> yeah i can relate to that with with the cat too i love dogs too i just have never had the lifestyle to have a dog yeah, yeah. in the city because before pandemic i used to travel a lot for work so i just have never thought that's fair for a dog now i love to ask these precursor questions because again I, I love to learn more about my guests now when you were growing up what what mm-hmm. is the one thing that you remember about growing up that you really loved? About anything or about my family anything. or just... The one thing that really st- sticks out in your mind that you really loved and that you have fond memories of. Well, I took ballet for 18 years. Fantastic. And I absolutely, which I think is why I love the live theater and the dance, yes. going to, you know, dance and things like that. But I mean... I would spend hours. That was my thing. I mean, the older I got, the more I spent at the dance studio, the more I spent in rehearsal and performing. Mm -hmm. And I just have the best memories of the people that were, that I danced with, my choreographer, just all of that is just very, very fond memories. And I wish my body still could, you know, move (laughs) in the way that that it did back then. Oh, yeah, I think we can all appreciate that. Now, listen, you, you, you have a consultancy business, Interlead, now, I hope I, pre- I hope I pronounced that correctly, but if we can, before we start talking about that and going into the power of women in business and sales, what was your first ever experience as an entrepreneur? Well, it's really funny. I actually fell into it mm-hmm. um, as an entrepreneur. My job was eliminated 
I was in corporate America and my job was eliminated and mm-hmm. um, got into consulting and decided to stay and then form my own company. At first, I was doing it through through a friend of mine, you know, and working through his company and then did my own. So, you know, as far as that goes, that's kind of how I got into it, being the entrepreneur that I am. Fantastic. Did, did you find, um, once you got momentum, that it was difficult for you to stop and relax and just enjoy the success that you, you experienced? You, yeah, I think as an entrepreneur, you always feel like you're on, especially mm-hmm. when you're in a client-facing, you know, that's what I do, you know, consulting, you're constantly client-facing. And so it, trying to find that time balance of, well, do my clients expect me to be answering emails at 10 o'clock at night because <laughs> you're sending them out? Yeah. Exactly. You know, and trying to figure that out for yourself and especially, you know, in the women in sales piece of it, we talk about that, but just trying to figure out what are your boundaries. I think for any entrepreneur is really hard, whether you're male or female. So you, you, we obviously have cat a day, but do you actually have time nowadays for yourself? Do you spend like no time on work at, through a week at any stage? I'm getting a lot better at that. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, I, I actually hit my boundaries are unless I'm working with a client on something or just something that I want to work on, I don't respond to emails after six o'clock at night. I, um, I've really tried to take at least one weekend day where I don't do anything work, work related. doesn't mean I'm not on the computer, maybe doing something else, but it's been a long time. I mean, I've been doing this since 2004. It's taken a long time to get there. Yes, to wind down now, um, the My Future mm-hmm. Business audience, Alexis, are startups, they're uh, small to medium-sized business owners who are looking for ways to improve their business. So this is very much about an education experience for some for them from someone who has already walked the path before them. And on that basis, how important have you found having this time away from your business? Has, has, has it helped you be more productive, do you think? Oh, absolutely. And I think if you have the foresight and the ability to do it and set your boundaries, whatever they are, because you want to be able to, you're building a business as an entrepreneur because you, it's probably something you're passionate about. And so you want to be able to enjoy the business and you want to be able to enjoy your family, whatever, or, you know, your personal life, whatever that is. And if you don't really think about it and set those boundaries right away, you really can't do that. So I talk about when I'm even in coaching, even coaching people in corporate America, I talk about that because we're just so connected these days. Mm. It's really hard to step away. Yeah, absolutely. We seem to be always connected. Um, you know, it's it's very difficult just to shut down even of an of an evening. Do you um do you have a routine where you actually put your phone in another room sometimes? <sighs> Um, inadvertently, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only reason I sleep with my phone in my bedroom is because it's also my alarm clock. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> so, so, you know, as far as that. But I do put it on, yeah, I do have it automatically, you know, go to silent yep. Yep. at 10 o'clock at night. And I actually even stop responding to friends at 9. I don't answer the phone if they call. I, do, I don't get into text conversations with them. Um, that's just, you know, something that I've just done for myself because we have to turn off because if we don't turn off, we're not going to sleep. And if we don't sleep, we're not good to either our business or our family. Yeah, that is sage insight. Thank you for sharing. um, As an educator yourself, a coach, how important is continual education for you personally? Oh, I 
I, I've, I'm kind of a, like a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. I've always liked learning. Um, so even after I did grad school and got my MBA, it's still always, what conference can I go to? And now there's so much that you can do online, even before the pan- pandemic. Mm-hmm. There was so much that you could do online in terms of online learning. Um, I'm always liking to learn new things and learn from other people who have already done it yeah. or have a different way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you? What's your modus operandi? How do you learn the best? Are you uh, uh, live in front of people? Do you like reading videos? What's your thing? If I want to retain it, I actually live is best for me. But I have to do it. I I don't retain it very well from reading. I'm a I'm a very tactile learner. So if I don't do it, I'm not going to retain it quite as much. There are lots of, um, of leaders. Um, around that we can look to and I and I have several that I you know think about what business leaders are inspiring you at the moment you know the one that I've been um, following a lot is Mary Barra who is the um, CEO and chairwoman of GM yep she took it over when things were not that great in terms of there was um, some recall that was going on, there was something going on, and she was within the first year or so, she was in front of Congress. But what was great about Mary is, first of all, I mean, she's a lifelonger at GM, and she actually started on, she started on the assembly line. So she's actually lived all the different types of roles versus, you know, corporate roles, you know, line roles, operational roles, and gr- granted, she was given the opportunity but she, it made her this great, empowering leader who really sits and sits back and thinks about how things can be easier for the team, mm-hmm. how things can be easier for people, and how can people make decisions. And if you let them do it, if you give them the confidence to do it, they're going to make the right decision. And that's kind of her philosophy, and I really love that. What I like about that ex- example is that you can't buy experience. She's been, you know, uh, on the ground doing all of the different roles, and I think that that is uh, says a lot about the individual. I know that there are a lot of uh, female leaders, and we're going to be talking about more of that in a moment. But I'd love to know um, where was the genesis for Interlead? Where did that come from? The day? Na- are you talking the name? Uh, just the business in general, and then the, we'll talk the business? about the name. Okay. So, well, the. The business came about because in corporate America, of which I spent quite a bit of time, I was lucky enough to have a lot of different types of experiences and opportunities to learn different things. And I was always in the realm of being connected to human resources, but not in, in, not in HR. So I didn't, never really did the hiring and benefits and all of that, which people think a lot about HR. Mm-hmm. I was always in the tangential things, doing training and leadership development, doing organizational change. So it was just natural for me when I decided to go on my own, well, when that opportunity was, I guess, presented to me, um, and go on my own to take that and be able to do it and take all that experience and do it um, for a lot of different organizations versus one. That's excellent. Now, this is a very uh, uh, interesting name. How did that come about? I actually have a friend that I went to grad school with who is in um, marketing and branding, mm-hmm. and she actually came up with it for me. Excellent. I spent a, week, uh, yeah, I spent a weekend, and we did the, all the whole branding exercises and things like that, and she came up with a number of different options, and I really like this because it has to do with leadership and um, helping people make intelligent decisions. So we kind of put some of that all together and that's what she came up with. 
I, um, I, I have a question that's coming up in my mind. It's about being busy versus productive. How do you, def- how do you know when you're just being busy as opposed to productive uh, in your business? And what do you say to your clients about it? Well, I think as entrepreneurs, and I bet you if I say this, people in your audience can relate to it. <laughs> we get really distracted by the shiny little objects. Yep. So we might be doing something and then, oh, the email comes through. Let me see who that is and what they have to say. Or, oh, somebody just sent me a text. Let me respond to that. Or, oh, whatever the O is. I'm guilty. And we do that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guilty too. I think we're all guilty of that. So the thing that you want to do to be, so we can be busy. We can all be really, really busy. But what I try and help people think through is, first of all, figuring out if you have the luxury to know when is that time of day you're most productive. So a lot of people, some people are really productive in the morning. That's where they're really, their heavy thinking can go on. Or, you know, they're really good at conversations with clients or whatever the case may be. Some people are really good in late afternoon. I'm not as good in late afternoon. And I know that unless I'm really working on something that has a strong deadline, my brain pretty much shuts off at six. Yeah. It just kind of does. So first of all, to be productive, I tell people, figure out what that time is, that sweet spot. And if there's something that you really have to get done, if there's something that you really need concentrated time to be productive, choose to do it in that block, whatever that that block is. Mm -hmm. It it brings up an interesting uh, question about those who are, I guess, working for an employer. And let's say that you're an afternoon worker. And you know you get you're most productive in the afternoon, yet you have to work throughout the whole day. I've always thought about this. What's your what's your view on that? I think it yes, I think it is what it is to some extent. Mm. But but on the other hand, a lot of times we do have the ability to plan our meetings. Yep. Not always. I mean, yep. sometimes we're invited to meetings and they're planned for us and things. But but whatever we can control take take the reins and control it so if somebody gives you the option of hey let's meet and talk about you know schedule a meeting to talk about this important project well if they give you the po- if they give you morning and afternoon as options and you're better in the afternoon pick take, the afternoon take the afternoon now mm-hmm. i know that you've presented from melbourne to china and and everywhere in between now um, in terms of um, our topic today, the power of women in business and sales, what are the differences that you have noticed between um, business professionals in different locations? Are there cultural difference? Are there process difference? Are there any differences at all? Well, I, I mean, I think there's always cultural differences. I mean, it, no matter there's cultural differences between countries. The cult, there's cultural differences between different parts in mm-hmm. the same country. So that definitely always comes into play. I think, though, when it really comes down to it, we're all kind of the same. It's just how we get the work done and the norms we have to go through to make it happen. So, you know, a leader, to me, as I say, like, a leader is a leader. You just have to know the cultural nuances of, you know, whether it's uh, a nuance of that it's an organization or a culture that tends to be more hierarchical versus more team-based, and then build your skills around that. So those are the types of things that I think are some of the biggest differences. Thank you for sharing. I, I wonder when you're going through this uh, leadership development process, what are some of the, I guess, the, the core um, characteristics of a, a, a diamond in the rough in terms of a leader? What do you look for? 
I look. I think you look for people who are willing to learn, people who are willing to listen to, ask for, and listen to feedback. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we're only going to get better if we're really, truly willing to change. And sometimes the change means we have to stop doing something. Sometimes the change means we need to start doing something. And sometimes the change is not as much a change as we do something really well. Let's continue to capitalize on that. But if we don't get the feedback from people, whether whether it's you know whether it's formal feedback or informal feedback by just asking, we're never going to know what's working and what's not working because it's all going to then be our perception. My wife is uh, higher up in the hierarchical chain in her uh, corporation, in the business that she works for, and she's a leader, and she is amazing, and she um, works in a predominantly female environment. Um, okay. Can, a, can an individual go from a, a predominantly female environment to either a blend or a male-predominant uh, industry and be just as successful? I think it depends on the culture of where they're going to. Yeah. Honestly, because, I mean, I grew up, as I say, I grew up in corporate America. I was always in male-dominated industries. I mm. was in oil and gas. I was in paper and box board. So I was always in these... You oil know, and gas, these... that's highly dominant male, isn't it? Exactly. And I was also always with a lot of engineers. Mm. So, you know, engineers are predominantly men, and that's a lot of times the areas I was supporting and, and interacting with a lot. And, you know, they're engineers have a way of thinking because of how they're trained, you know, just like we all are trained different ways and we all have our different ways of thinking. Yeah, Yeah, they're very analytical. They're very, they're very, you know, A, B, C, D, (laughs) you know, type of a thing because that's what they need to do is they're building or designing whatever they're doing. You know, they have to look at all of the steps along the way. So, but in terms of going to your question of going from a female environment to a hybrid or male environment, I think Anybody can be successful anyway, anywhere, if they're given the chance. So sometimes it's not always you, or it's not always the individual. It's the individuals you're going to be working with and how they accept you and how you build the relationships with them as you go in. I'm loving this call. Thank you very much for sharing uh, all of your insights, Alexis. Now, um, I, I know uh, that Google Australia is is run by a female, and she's amazing. She's um, she has a warmth about her. She's professional by the same token. Um, I'm wondering, um, what are some of the other unique skill sets that you could see in a female as opposed to a male in a leadership role? Well, I think what one of the biggest differences is you just named a big part of it. Women, we, and I always hate to say all women or all men because we're all a blend yeah. of everything. And yeah. it's not like all women have, you know, are one way or all men are the other. Women in general tend to be more innately empathetic, as you said. Mm. They tend to, you know, we all talk about emotional intelligence. They tend to also really be good at building relationships. And so, and want to build the relationships in order to learn from others, in order to engage people, and in order to, you know, build a better team. Or if you're, you know, women in sales are really good at it, you know, be building relationships with their prospects and their clients. So I think that's one of the things. And I think sometimes what happens when you're in a, the hybrid or a more male-dominated 
industry or office is, you know, a woman wants to take the time and build the relationships and get to know the people and their team and, you know, bring some of that warmth, as you said, and some of that empathy in. And it's not, again, that men can't do it, but they don't see the benefit of it. Yeah, very different cut men are in general, mm-hmm. I believe. <laughs> exactly. And again, it's part of it. It goes back, I think, to how we were each raised, though, too. Mm. You know, girls were raised to be, you know, to share and to be quiet and sit back and listen. And, you know, boys were raised to, you know, you know, be to be competitive and things like, yeah, boisterous and competitive. And it was okay. So it just perpetuates itself into the business world. Do you see that um, as the sexes go through time that we're coming to a point in, in like a, hitting an equilibrium in terms of opportunities that are, are given to women? Because historically that's not been the case, has it? I, I would love to, Rick, I would really love to say yes. Mm. But I don't really think we can say yes then. I think there are moments and strides in different industries and it you know pops up every once in a while but i mean look you look in the united states and women are still i think uh might be up to i think we might have just uh squeaked up to 17 Mm percent in in the c in you know the c-suite but yet women are 50 percent of the workforce so so, so yeah, I mean, I you know, yes, and I you know, and I think when you see, you know, whether you see, um, you know, the women in high office, you know, in politics, or the women that are running, you know, organizations and companies and things like that, we all get really excited, but it's still a hard stretch to get there, and it's still a lot of painstaking steps to climb that ladder and, and make it happen. It's a journey worth traveling, that's for sure and certain, Alexis. Now, I'm looking over your uh, um, LinkedIn account and I'm seeing uh, in your image the skirt strategy. I'm just, I'm interested. Could you share a little bit about what this means? <laughs> Absolutely, I would love to. So, this has to do with women in sales. Right. So, um, a colleague and I, we have a program that we launched late fall for women in sales and it's called the skirt strategy and the reason we developed it is because with both of our experience in sales one of the things we realize is most sales programs are built by men and for men yes which means the processes and tactics that are taught are not comfortable for women women have to think about different things when the, in a sales role and believe it or not even if you don't have a sales title we're all in sales even if we're just selling ourselves of course so the skirt is actually an acronym and it stands for standing out in a sea of sameness the k is about knowing your non-negotiables so what are your values so that you can make sure when you know your values you're going to attract and look for the clients that resonate with them the I is about investing in your relationships because, as we know, you know this too, Rick, business is all about relationships. Sales is all about relationships. So it's all about investing in your relationships with your clients and your prospects. The R is about getting referrals and how you can make that happen by investing in relationships. And then the T is about time structure. You know, some of the, a lot of women have to think about structuring their time in a different way than men do because they might be a single mother or they might be, you know, they might have more responsibilities in the home. So there's certain pulls on them from a time standpoint that they need to think about. So how do they structure their time so that they can love their job and be in their job when they're in their job and 
and be present with their family when they're with their family. So that's what SKIRT stands for. That's excellent. Absolutely love it. It's fantastic. I, I wonder with the pandemic, if we could touch on that briefly, how has that changed, I guess, uh, the way that you operate and provide leadership and sales training uh, to your clients at the moment? Well, like everyone else, it's mostly virtual. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on in Australia. Now, I did one live, well, it wasn't even a fully live. It was a hybrid I had been running a, for an association, I had been running a leadership development 10-month program, and we had met in February, so just, we had met live, you know, in February, just before the pandemic started, Mm -hmm. and then in June, which was, we were supposed to meet live the second time, we did that completely virtual, and then when we finished it up, when they came in for the last, which was, I believe was October, the, uh, my client wanted to do, offer them the ability to come in live, so I, it was partially, there were some people in the room live and spread out one person per table, you know, <laughs> a, a six top table. Exactly. And then I had a lot of them on a zoom screen. So we were doing this whole hybrid thing. So, but everything else I've done, any of this other speaking or training um, or coaching that I've done is all been virtual. Are you finding um, any change in the trends um, of corporations, companies um, offering to provide training for their female talent to, to, to develop their leadership and their sales skills? Most of what we've been finding with the skirt strategy is that a lot of it has been individuals that mm. are finding us and coming to it. You know, we're talking to different organizations. You know, there's a lot of organizations that talk about it, but they're talking about it to check the box versus talking about it to make the difference. Oh, yeah. Major so, difference. Exactly. And I don't want to be, you know, I'm happy to help an organization that is really trying to move the needle on women in leadership or trying to help the women that are in sales in their organizations. But it, but they really need to want to do this, do it truly versus just saying, okay, yeah, it's kind of the in vogue thing to do. Yeah, it has to be a cultural shift for the real meaning, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder if, if, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to a female talent that was up and coming, but they were a little bit quiet, as you mentioned earlier, what mm-hmm. would be the one piece of advice that would apply to all female entrepreneurs that you would give? I'm going to give two, if that's okay. Absolutely. First, the first is you have to find your way, your comfortable way to stand out and make yourself known. So not everybody is really good about waving their hand and saying, me, 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 look at me. You know, they're not good about talking about their accomplishments. But there's, if you're inside an organization, there's other more subtle things you can do that can get you noticed. So that's number one. And if you're an entrepreneur, the same thing. You can find some subtle ways that you don't always have to talk about yourself. You can find people that, to talk about you. The second thing is, that is find a mentor. Ment- to me, mentoring is, first of all, I love being a mentor, but mentoring is such a great way to learn from somebody in a comfortable environment where, you know, they're not somebody you work with or for. They might You might work with them, but you're not working for them. Yeah. And you can learn about their journey and you, they can be a sounding board for you for, you know, for your business or for your career. And I promise you, if you find somebody that you think you'd like to have as a mentor, if you ask them, they're going to be flattered. And if they have the time, they're probably going to say yes. 
especially another woman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this is great. This is a platform that um, provides education, hopefully builds the confidence to, to take the steps necessary to get your career on the front foot and get it moving and get some results for yourself. Now, um, what's coming up for you next? Are you, are you working on any projects? What's happening? Well, as I said, we just launched the Skirt Strategy um, program in late fall, and so that's starting to really get traction and in the works is going to be another one it's going to be for women in leadership with a similar format of what we're doing the skirt strategy so it's all it's all virtual it's you know it's virtual uh sessions but you also get some live q a and you get some time with me and my colleague so it's it's a great mix some very and you exciting get to meet other yeah you get to meet other amazing women who are on similar journeys that's excellent. I love the fact that you're uh, doing all of this wonderful groundwork for others. Now, I wonder, um, given that we're at the pointy end of the call, when people want to reach out to you, I know that they could do so through LinkedIn. Are there any other ways to uh, connect with you? And um, what's the process to start working with you? LinkedIn is absolutely a great way. You can also always find me on my website, which is intolead.com, and send me a message that way or directly via email, which is alexis at IntoLeadInc.com. Make sure that you put the ink on the end there now. <laughs> uh, exactly. The INC, otherwise, is going to go into Never Neverland, I think. Make, make your life easy. Um, make sure that when you find this post that you find the link because I will make sure that the uh, URL is correct and it gets back to Alexis first time every time. Um, and with that all being said, Alexis, I have really enjoyed just touching the surface of uh, this wonderful topic and uh, it's been a pleasure spending some time with you on the my future business show today thank you for having me rick i would love to come back and we can continue the conversation thanks for joining us today if you enjoyed the call then make sure to subscribe leave a comment share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews and if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.